copywriting. Great copy can sell. It can get your prospect to book a demo. It can get people who've demoed to close. Bad copy can turn people off in an instant. I asked Tim King to come on the podcast. He is an expert copywriter, and he lays out exactly what SaaS businesses can do to make sure that they are generating a ton of action from their copywriting and their content. Enjoy. Welcome to Sastery in the Making, the podcast that features the people who made the software world what it is today and the leaders who are shaping the future of technology. Here's your host, Matt Wallach. Yes, welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Sastery in the Making. I am your host, Matt Wallach, and I am really excited today to be joined by my special guest, Tim King. Tim, how you doing? Yeah, great. Going really well. It's I was just uh, getting up a little bit early in the morning for me, um, and it's it's just hit five degrees Celsius or forty one degrees Fahrenheit here, so um, it's quite chilly. <laughs> and just so everybody knows, Tim is live from Australia. Really, really awesome stuff. Victoria, is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. So uh, this is truly a global podcast. Truth be known, our first guest ever was from down under. That was oh, wow. uh, our first ever show. Uh, really cool that now here you are back again, coming full circle. So I'm really excited to talk to you today about copywriting. Let me tell everybody about you, Tim. So Tim is a creative copywriter and content strategist at Hello Tim King. He helps creatives and entrepreneurs and business owners and corporates really cut through the noise and create kick-ass content with bite. I love that. <laughs> that is a great tagline. So once again, Tim, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, look, not a problem. Great to be here. Awesome. So tell me what's been going on with you lately and what's coming up. Yeah, look, so uh, what's been going on? There's, there's been a lot going on, uh, obviously, with Victoria uh, at the moment. We, we are in a state of lockdown, so um, we've had a seven-day lockdown kind of just as a snap decision by our politicians. Um, and then now we're, we're just in a second period of that right now. So hopefully we're going to start to be able to move around uh, the world a little bit more, um, you know, soon, at least our world, rather than maybe outside of, of our borders. Um, but otherwise, for myself, um, you know, there's just lots, lots and lots of stuff going on at the moment in my business. Um, more client work than, I, than I've expected, so which, which has been really great. Um, technically, I restarted my journey doing um, sort of copywriting and, and freelance copywriting um, about, you know, 12 months ago, really. But um, I've been sort of focusing on that on the last six. Um, that said, I've got a lot of lot of experience from uh, working in corporates and working with a, a lot of clients over time as well. So it just felt like a natural fit for me to, uh, to get back to freelancing. I love it. I love it. And I want to really talk about copywriting. I think it's super important for even uh, if that's not your job, so to speak, to have that skill, but if you do need copywriting as part of your services within your within your company or your corporation or your startup, as most people who are listening to this are part of, it, it's so good to have an expert copywriter, somebody who knows what they're doing, guide you and do the work for you to make sure that when somebody in your market sees that copy or sees that piece, that they want to take action. So what I want to ask you, Tim, is as an expert copywriter, can you just give us a, an overview of what does that mean exactly and how do you help your clients become more successful with their businesses? 
Sure. Look, and to break it down, um, I get this question a lot about copywriting. Some people um, confuse it a little bit with putting trademark logos or little little copyright symbols on on things when they're, they're putting it out to market. It's not what I do. Um, what I do instead is put the right words in the right order. Compelling copies are a very hard thing to write. Um, it, it is a skill that, that really takes a person to to craft a, a piece of compelling content to be able to to do some some pretty heavy lifting, really, when you look at um, offerings on, online or if you're looking at even things through your email, um, television ads, um, brochures, any, any of that sort of uh, you know, print media advertising. That's kind of what copywriting really really gets to the essence of. It's about taking really beautiful stories and, and, and great information and being able to craft that into a, a compelling piece of, of copy, as we, we call it in the industry, a uh, compelling piece of copy to either get a person to perform an action um, or to, to sell an item to them or to get them to, to you know, sign up to a, a mailing list, as an example. Um, but there's, there's lots and lots of different reasons for, for copywriting, of course. Yeah, I love it. What gets you really passionate about it? What What is it that you say, yes, I'm so excited about this? I, mean, I suppose I've been always been um, someone who's been very into language. Um, and one of the things with copywriting particularly, especially when you get right to the essence of it, is it's about um, using language with effect. Um, and so we use language all every day. We're listening to podcasts all day. We're listening to or talking to each other, you know, hopefully in the streets at some point, but typically online. <laughs> um, so um, with the, 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 that language basis and, and something I've always been passionate with, I, I suppose it was almost a natural fit for me to to come into that world. I've tried being a, a novelist for a while, or trying to, to do fiction writing. And, and I'm, look, I'm not I'm not bad at it. I'm not great at it. I'm gonna have to um, check some of that out. <laughs> I'll have to publish some first. I think. Oh, um, there you so, go. <laughs> I'm not I'm not I'm not that that, that great at, at it. Um, and there's there's that other guy who has the last name King as well that, that kind of shadows me a lot. He's kind of okay. That. Yeah, he's, he's, you know, only a few people really know about him though, right? Um, so, um, yeah, like uh, the, the language side of it, as I said, is, is what I really fell in love with. Um, and it's about taking, you know, long form, beautiful prose or, or great writing and, and shortening it down, bringing it or creating what we like to call brevity or, or just being very brief about the, the type of um, material you're, you're working with, about the, the length that you're trying to achieve um, and at the same time also packing it full of emotion and power um, and and confidence and persuasion and you know there's, there's a lot of different things you, you, you go through and there's a lot of different ways to be able to build really great experiences and, and great um, I suppose just just a great reading experience uh, into very short copy or, or into short form um, but losing none of the power it takes a real set of skills to be able to actually get to that level yeah, absolutely. It does. I've seen quite a difference in our business when we have great copywriters help us out. But I want to ask you, why is creating great content important? What is it about content, the copy within the content that really makes businesses go? That That's a that's an absolute, it's a huge question. Um, there's, there's probably a, a lot of different reasons why um, great content helps helps businesses go or what, what connects people and it's really it's probably that connectivity. It's about getting into the hearts and minds of individuals about your message. So if you've got a, a simple message or a strong message, often you know that sort of stuff you can can write great copy around to be able to, to get moving. But over time, you can build up a, a great relationship, and it's really about having um, 
a, a comfortable conversation with the the one person who's down the other end of the line who's looking to buy your service or to uh, purchase your product or just to engage with you on a level where they're, they're willing to have you in their lives, I suppose. Um, getting into that, as I said, the hearts and minds of the individuals um, and and really speaking to them, really, really grabbing hold of, of what they believe in and aligning with beliefs and values and, mm-hmm. and, and having purpose. Yeah, absolutely. So can you give us some tips? How should one go about writing content that stands out? Because there's so much out there these days. How, what are some of the best tips? Sure. I mean, look, some of the best tips that, that I've come across um, are the ones that a lot of people also kind of uh, suggest as well. Um, but the, the few that I'm, I'll, I'll share on the podcast today, definitely um, make sure that when you're writing content or copy, um, it's, it, it works in either way, um, but it's it's what we call scannable. So it's something that's really, really easy to digest using a combination of shorter and longer sentences. But then also mm-hmm. trying to keep your content to about three paragraphs for a heading. Um, I don't want to get into the, the specific technicalities of that, but um, when we, we read on, online, we, we tend to read in an F shape or at least uh, people from an English speaking background or you know Western language speaking background, we, we look at content in an F shape. So mm-hmm. start at the top left hand corner and move across the page. And then move, when we find nothing that's of value there, <clears throat> we move to the next level. We just keep going down the page like that. Those, those headings work as anchor points for a person reading the content. So they can quickly skim the page to, to a piece that stands out to them. And then there's there's a, a block of text that they would potentially read if, if the, the headline or the, the sub headline has been uh, compelling enough for them to read. So definitely making your content scannable is is one of them. Um, you know, Using a tool like Grammarly is also quite good. I, I tend not to myself because I've, I've kind of got the, the skills to be able to, to do the, the job without it. But for sure. Um, for, for the average person on the street, um, you know, Grammarly is a great tool just to be able to check uh, if your content is has been tripped up by a few words or there's some, some grammar issues. Um, and it'll also give you a nice reading panel down the side, so it'll tell you whether it's um, in passive tone or active tone. Hmm. Again, I'm, I'm going That's into cool. technicalities here a little bit, but... Um, no, I like that. I didn't know that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so passive or active tone, it'll give you a reading score. So there's a thing called the Flash Kincaid scale, and I believe that they've got that as well as something else that, that works out kind of what, what grade level the person would have to be, be at to be able to read the content. Wow, that's cool. I mean, you're trying to add or work to about a, um, and, and I'll, I'll use it from the Australian terms, of course, but about like a, a year seven, year eight, or a grade eight kind of sort of space. Um, it's, it's, it's the most accessible for people around around the world. You can, it depends on the audience as well too. If you're writing for um, you know a, a technical software company, um, you probably have a slightly higher grade of, of uh, learning that you can you can apply and approach the copy with. Um, let and, me and let me it, ask you about that. I, I just want to understand. So uh, there's got to be a big piece of it is knowing the audience, right? Knowing who the target is. Absolutely, and it really starts. So when I when I start working with a, with a, a person or a new client, um, it is really all about them and, and understanding who they are, what their offering is. But then who's the, who who are they speaking to? What's the messaging? Um, who's that going going to be going to? Who's going to be reading that? Is it going to be the the seventy five year old grandmother in her kitchen, or is it going to be the the tech entrepreneur who's 
who's just starting up a company? Is it a CEO in, in, a, in a, a big business, a Fortune 500 that has, you know, three minutes of his day to actually read, you know, one article and it has to be pretty, or, or one piece of content has to be really compelling for him to read it. So that, that knowing that audience um, is the first part. You need to know who you're going to speak to and who does your product serve or who does your service serve? Like, is it someone that is it the CEO or is it the CEO reading it or, or the, the, the mid-level manager reading it so that he can empower his staff? So mm -hmm. it's been, it has to work on multiple levels in those kind of situations. Yeah, I would absolutely agree. So is there a difference in writing content for SaaS businesses versus writing content for other businesses when you take on clients? Does it, is it, do you have to kind of change the language or how do you see that? Is there a difference? Look, there's, I suppose all businesses have an, an element of, of belief building. And the one thing with SaaS products is that there are not just one or two of them on the market now these days, of course, there's, there's <laughs> hundreds and thousands and, and potentially millions of them. So um, in your in, in a SaaS uh, business's offering, they might only have you know one or two other major competitors, but they've probably got four or five other minor competitors in that same market. So it could be quite saturated with message. Um, to stand out for, for SaaS, really it is... Um, building building a belief in the in the benefits of that particular piece of software. It's the same sort of thing with with, with a lot of copy. Building out features um, can give you or get you so far. And for the technical people, features are going to be great. But really, for the people who probably write the checks, the, the ones who who sign on the dotted line, um, it's building about um, a, a strong belief that that product's the right product for them. Um, so starting it um, that ideal customer, understanding what what makes them tick. And, and the, the real core of that is integral to, to selling near anything. Um, for SaaS products, though, I suppose, um, because there's so many different offerings, because there's so many of them that are nuanced, it's, it's about getting that right balance of features and, and benefits to try and um, not just sell the product, but also build belief in the individual that that's the right one for them. Um, and that it'll do the job that it says it, says it does. Um, I'm not sure about yourself, Matt, but... Um, I know I've approached a lot of SaaS products uh, for my own business or for other things that look great on the surface, but what it said on the tin isn't exactly what it does under the covers mm -hmm. once you get in there. So, you know, having that honesty and the believability and building that presence um, is super important for a SaaS product. I love it. I, uh, that's something I preach. So it sounds like, you know, copy has to be really, really connected with the rest of the marketing, the sales pitches, what the sales team is saying, and what the product can deliver and what the customer service team is saying. So it sounds like copy is an integral part of the entire structure and the whole team. And it sounds like we need a very consistent uh, message across all of it. And copy is a big piece of that. Yeah, absolutely. And that that's you've hit on a, on a point that um, is really, really important with copywriting. And that's tone of voice, that you can have a, a comfortable conversation with your, your reader. But if it's not in their language, and if it's not in their tone of voice that they identify with, then that, that's something that um, can also be destabilizing, or it can disrupt the process of them actually reading a piece of copy, getting familiar with your product and understanding how that works. I totally agree. So I had a copywriter once ask me, hey, where do you want us to be on the aggression level, I think is what they said, from a one to a 10, whereas 10 is like completely. And I said, well, I can't, this one, I want to be kind of edgy. Let's go seven or eight. But I love that you said that, you know, you cut through the noise and create kick-ass content with bites. So I think there's a little bit of edge there. So how do you see that working for you? Um, I've never asked a person um, 
what kind of aggression level do, do they want? I, I think you know, I I might I think that's I mean that in itself is quite aggressive or it's quite yeah. quite an interesting tactic. I I suppose I I take it um, from the aspect that you know if I had to add that much aggression, is the message itself that, like that great? Like am I am I going to be writing? Is the product that good? Um, it's, sure. As well as probably something I'd be looking for because um, it, it sounds like you're trying to or that that they might have been trying to amp the top end of the message and, and really drive it to the individual. Um, look, there's, there's a, whole, a whole heap of different emotional ranges that you can play with aggression or, or you know, that, that anger that, that something's broken and you need to get it fixed. That needs to be done now. And this is, this is the thing you need. Otherwise, you know, you're going to be falling down. Um, it works. It does work. You're going to play on the, the, the anxiety and the fears of the individuals. Um, I, I tend not to go that way um, only because, it, it's a very short conversation. Um, it's a, not something you can build on over time. Hearing, oh, you're still angry about this thing and you're still going to get this thing done six months after you've bought the product or six months after you've seen the product for the first time, um, you know, isn't, I, I don't think that's, that builds really good long-term relationships. So sure. uh, my approach my approach to it is to, but um, still get, get into the hearts and minds of people um, looking for a, a product solution. Um, and then continuing to, to have that conversation with them. So whether they get onto a mailing list or if, they, if they're looking at um, you know, the short form uh, copy in Facebook ads that they might start seeing or ad, ad space they might start seeing, um, ensuring that the brand of, of, and the tone of voice is, is on message um, throughout all of the, the different parts of marketing because um, most of this sort of starts with copies, even your, your video scripts. Um, you know, as I said, uh, online ads, uh, so you Google your Facebook ads, um, short form and micro copy that you put into your Instagram posts or if there's any social posts you're doing, you know, just making sure that's all on brand and message with, with tone um, and, and that the language itself is still as, as similar and as accessible. It allows you to have a, a long form conversation with, with the person. Um, and I mean, there's, there's that old sort of adage that a person before they make a decision to, to be the purchase or to take action on anything, Usually, we'll see or, or would would see something about five or six times before that action level can can happen. Um, mm -hmm. Really, it's about building building that compelling case, or the way I approach it is about building building that compelling case um, that this is something they can't live without, or something that they, that, that they need. Um, but not do it in just that one big push right up top. Um, make sure that it's been done with a comfortable level of, of conversation. So it's almost just a no brainer for them to make that. Oh, actually, you know what? We really do need that. They just go straight to the website and purchase it rather than um, being emotional about it because emotional purchases, um, I don't know, I've made quite a few emotional purchases in my time. Um, and you always have that buyer's remorse so that, oh, you know, I had to buy it, so I bought it and now I've got it. What do I do with it or how do I, you know, start asking those questions to justify the purchase. Um, having a better conversation up front and making sure that they, they take the action you'd like them to take um, over time helps eliminate a little bit of that that buyer's remorse and, and the, the purchase. So hopefully the review you'll get straight away afterwards or you know, the, the way even your customer just talks about your product or service will be rather radically different. Uh, absolutely. I would agree. What would you say to early stage software founders who need to get some content out? What advice would you give? What mistakes should they avoid? What uh, things should should they go after and start doing in relation to their copywriting and their content? Sure. Um, know, know what your unique selling proposition is. Um, that's, that's key. Absolutely right at the very top. Uh, before you do anything, before you even you know, write a line of code, take a look at what else is in the market. 
see what else they're doing, understand whether the your product is just going to be another one in the sea of competitors, or if it's just going to be um, a piece of software that they might someone might try for a period of time. But you know, there's, there's so many others that they can jump to that they'll go and do that. Find out what what actually makes it tick. What's the reasoning behind you doing the thing you want to do or building the thing you you need to build? What's the gap that you saw to build out that piece of software initially, or to build that offering? And you know, really leverage that. So get in front of a, of a heap of people, um, have have conversations with individuals about that. Hey, you know what? I see you've, you've or I know you've heard uh, um, that we do this thing. We know that you use this other piece of software that does something similar. What's what's the, you know, do, do some market research, actually get out there and, and talk to the people you want to serve. One of the things I find with a lot of, and not so much software companies, um, but a lot of companies in general, is that they have this great idea and they have a kernel of thought that then builds this product or a service or some other type of offering that they have for, for a, a customer, but they actually forget who they're serving. They don't, they, they kind of think that if they build it, then they'll, people will just show up and start buying the product or they'll, or they'll get into market and that there'll be this magical marketing fairy will come along and just hit their product with the, the, the golden wand and it'll be amazing and they'll sell a million dollars in the first year. Um, <laughs> most of those companies I find they don't they don't know who their ideal customer is. They don't so that they um, businesses with money is the best way I, I had that described to me one day. I had a customer come to me and say, "Oh, look, I've got this great idea," you know. Um, and and I said, "Okay, well, who's your ideal ideal client? Who's the target market?" And he goes, "Oh, you know, anyone who's in business who's got money." And I went, "Okay, so let's let's just roll that back and and start understanding who your your ideal clients are." Um, Get, in, get into their heads, understand why they would need your thing and you'll build a better, you'll, you'll build something better, you'll build a better product and service. Um, and then you'll also, if you ask the right questions, if you do ask some, some questions of your, your client, what, why do you need this? What would it do for you? How will it, how will it help you your every day? You know, they call that ethnographic research or you, you're doing user research at that point um, before you're, you're starting to build something that you'll need to have to do this at, at, at a so later important. stage anyway. Right, yeah. right, right, and uh, like do it as I said, do it before you write code. Mm -hmm. um, get get it, get out there in the market and understand whether there's even a need for what you're about to build. Because I I think that's where that, especially in startup phase, it's where a lot of software companies um, get some VC funding through the door. They they run for a year or two and they burn their VC funding. And um, while it seemed like a great idea at the time, it actually turns out that. The combination of their phone and their television and the, the Apple Watch they've got on or whatever does 80% of your offering um, in the person's life and your $1,000 product now is worth, you know, $14.50 <laughs> and you can't sell it. Yuck, yuck. Yeah, that's that's so, so true. It absolutely is something you got to know right away is you've got to understand who you're serving, how you're serving them, how you're going to solve their problems. It's so critical. I love that you just detailed that because it's a big part of what I'm teaching founders as well. So I, I love it. But Tim, this has been awesome. I've loved hearing about your thoughts on copywriting and how to take the steps necessary to be able to deliver great content, great copy. I want to know how can our audience learn more about what you're doing? Sure. So um, you can head over to hellotimking.com. Um, I'm, I'm over on there. That's, that's my usual website. Um, there is a links page off that. So if you do do slash links, you'll hit all my links. Um, you'll find me on Clubhouse. So I'm sure you've heard of Clubhouse before. Um, I'm, I'm on Clubhouse a lot. So 
um, come and have a chat to me there. Um, you, I'm on I'm on all the socials with at Hello Tim King as well. So, you know, usually it's 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 pretty hard not to find me um, if you if you try to look for me, really. Uh, but yeah, feel free to come along, have a conversation, um, and open a door. Okay, perfect. Appreciate it. We'll put all that into the notes in the podcast. We'll also put it in the description in YouTube. But Tim, this has been great. Thanks for coming on the show. No problem. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Glad to have you. And for everybody else, thanks for coming. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Really appreciate it. Make sure that you are subscribed to the show. You don't want to miss amazing pieces of advice like Tim just gave us. New content creators or creators overall or innovators and leaders within the SaaS world come on the show every single week. So thank you very much for coming and we will see you next time. Take care. Thank you.